Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Today is Friday, August 30th, 2013, and you are listening to sort of the Talking Comics Podcast. Uh, uh, if you guys have been listening and going to the site this week, you know it's been Women in Comics Week, and so we've been blowing out the entire thing with uh, lots of great interviews. We had R. Kelly, Sue DeConnick, and Marios uh, chat. Uh, we talked to Andrea Letamendi. Uh, we had our Wonder Woman panel, and uh, Stephanie Cook, Mara Wood, and Melissa Megan. Right, very good. Right, right. Very good. Okay, Melissa Megan. <laughs> I've only been saying Megan for two years. I got it right once. Uh, did the, the main show. Uh, but we figured uh, we'd kind of have, for this Friday, get your weekend started off. We figured we'd do a little kind of like clubhouse show here. Um, and, you know, talk about some of the books and give Bob, especially because I think Bob's the only one has a chance really to chime in on it. Uh, the Ben Affleck cast is Batman news. It's not going to be as long as a normal show, but we figured to give you guys a, a, a little something. And we talk to our own little kind of women in comics discussion kind of uh, as the extra podcast uh, for the week. Uh, since I wanted, I figured if we're going to put our money where the mouth is, the women of talk comics should host the women in comics podcast. Amen. Um, Testify. Yeah. And what Bob was saying, it's a special podcast because I mean, the first one he's ever going to listen to is the yes, woman. Uh, <laughs> and why not? Yeah. I don't need to hear myself talk. <laughs> I know what I said. Uh, I spent I listened to myself for two and a half hours already. I listened to myself for another two and a half hours. Um, so I hope you guys have enjoyed the content, and uh, you know we'll absolutely do it again next year. We want to come up with other kind of weeks like this for other topics. So we're, you know we'll definitely try to work on those as well. Um, well, we did have a horror week last year. We, we unfortunately had a, the local horror of Hurricane Sandy. We did get interrupted by a hurricane, so that our horror week was interrupted by that. Um, so we'll maybe try to do that again, and you know we want to kind of do an all ages week. We you know we want to. Maybe also a week that focuses we'll have more. Kids. We'll have kids host yeah. the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe have a week where we actually we talk to kind of the more unsung people, like colorists or inkers or, or, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we try to organize stuff. If you guys have ideas about what you guys want to see, let us know, too. You know, at Talking Comics on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Talking Comics and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. Best place uh, to get like your long-form thoughts in there. And the next big thing coming up is really is our 100th episode, which is really soon. It's like in three weeks. Um, wow, it really is that soon. Yeah, yeah. it's September 20th, uh, 8 p.m. at Reese's and Patchogue. I, I sent out RSVPs to everybody who sent to me an email to me. If you didn't get one, you sent an email to me, please email me, bobby at tonkombooks.com, and let me know so I can get back to you guys. Um, a few more spots, but pretty soon, guys, it's going to close off because you know we do want to bring some people, uh, uh, friends and family along if we can as well. You guys are obviously first, but if, if you guys don't get back to me, we're going to fill those slots with those people. Uh, but they'll be close enough. I think we're going to do a trivia game. We're going to definitely make it a, a cool place to be, a cool live event. And they'll probably go out afterwards after we do it and hang out with, with our fans. So the ones that are of legal drinking age. <laughs> the, the after party. The after yeah. party. Uh, so, yeah. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But um, 
on to uh, the news of the week. Uh, it's going to be actually a little over a week ago now that this news broke, but Ben Affleck is playing Batman. Um, I've talked about it ad nauseum already because uh, <laughs> <laughs> of all the shows that I've run since since the news broke. Um, but uh, Steve only got to talk about it for a couple minutes because he was on the live stream. Indeed. When, when we when we I I just impromptu live stream to talk about it, which was a lot of fun. Got a lot of cool listener reactions and stuff. That was that was really cool. Um, and a little 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 video therapy for some people. <laughs> uh, some people were like, I don't I don't I just don't know what, how I feel. Oh, I loved it. I loved it how people felt one way at the beginning. And then by the end, yeah. they were kind of bra- we were breaking them down. Yeah, we were talking like, them yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, they won't be so bad. And yeah. then the then the next day is like, oh, I'm totally on board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love I love it too because I love talking to people in person. It's not really in person, but it is face to face because it's a more human interaction. You know, it's 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 le- less than Twitter or Facebook. It's not one sentence. It's not. It's actually people talking to you and having to give their opinions, looking at you, and it and it, it's really great to connect with listeners in that way. Yeah. But Bob, we haven't got a chance to hear your thoughts yet mm-hmm. because you are not on the Twitters or the Facebook, so we don't get we don't get, we don't get to go those, get those impressions. Ha um, What do you think of Ben Affleck being cast as Bruce Wayne slash Batman? I think this is the least offensive thing about these <laughs> all these movies. <laughs> what I don't get what all the hubbub was really about. Mm-hmm. He certainly, you know, Daredevil is not the 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 sinkhole that people think it is. Yeah. It has problems. Mm-hmm. None of them to me are Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought no. he was charming as Matt and mm-hmm. did well as Daredevil. What? What? That chin doesn't work under the Batman cowl. Mm-hmm. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, instead of the dump Affleck petition, I think it should be the dump Goyer Snyder petition, <laughs> and we'd all be much better off. Uh, I don't know. Did anyone see what uh, Brian Bendis had to say about this? I did not know. Where he said that. Uh, uh, let me find this here somewhere. Oh, for those warning, you know why Ben Affleck would choose to do this movie. You know, his 10-year-old daughter asked, well, who's Ben Affleck? Right, yeah. Well, that's kind of why you want to do this. You bring yeah. yourself up when you go to do this next movie. The sad thing is his 10-year-old daughter won't be able to see it. No. <laughs> Which turns into a whole yeah. other thing. Well, I think my weird theory, I've got yeah. plenty of them, as you guys all know. I believe that some of the people who want the ultra-violent Man of Steel Part 2 mm-hmm. look at Ben Affleck, comic book guy from way back that mm-hmm. we all know, who if he got the chance to direct this, and he, which that's the rumor that he's taking this, so he'll direct Justice a League. Justice League movie because mm-hmm. he doesn't appear much in movies that he doesn't direct he, anymore. Well, he won't. Well, he won't direct a movie that he doesn't star in right. anymore. So, will he lighten the tone? Would he give you a more normal Batman? Mm. Take everything down a notch, and then people are people like what they like, and mm. you know a lot of people paid to see this movie. Yeah, a lot of people even liked it. Yeah, I think it's more. I think it's just this regression thing where people uh, – Ben Affleck was fine. Like Everybody loves Ben Affleck now. Everyone loves him. You never hear a bad word about him, and then he gets cast as Batman, and all the bad stuff comes out again. Geely. Yeah. Geely. What I'm, about Geely? Yeah. Uh, and it's been 10 years. You know, it, it, and people make bad movies. Actors make bad movies all the time. There's been a really a lot of cool people kind of – not that he needs defending. He's Ben Affleck. He just won a freaking Oscar yeah. for his picture. But – uh, you know, Pat Oswalt wrote a really nice thing on his Facebook page about Ben Affleck and, and how he'll crush it. And you saw, you know, um, Joss Whedon said, you know, Affleck will hit it out of the park. And I'm really th- – the thing about this is for me, this has me now excited about seeing the movie because of his presence in, in the movie and how much I like him. Um, the, the weird thing for me was just that I felt – like I talked about this in the morning show a little bit. I was like, I don't – I'm not upset that Ben Affleck is Batman because I like Ben Affleck a lot. 
I, I'm I'm a little disappointed that I'm not going to get like the the more Ben Affleck movies. You know, I'm, I'm sure we are. He's still prepping those movies. He's still going to do them. Sure, going to fit around his schedule. I'm sure he wouldn't have done this if he if it meant abandoning what he's built his career into for the last mm. you know five or six years. But I've loved like I I think Gone Baby Gone is great. I think that The Town is great, mm-hmm. and I think that Argo is great. So I think he's made three great movies. Yeah, he didn't do he didn't do all that work just to be Batman. No, no, not at all. And that's what I think too. It's not like he you trying to sneak his way back into like the big the big time. Uh, and I think and you look at some websites have done like breakdowns of how long they've been chasing him to do this movie. It's been a long time, and and they finally got it. So there's got to be something else going on. I don't think he'd do it if it wasn't. If there wasn't something big, he had something more invested in it than just being Batman in in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think people who loved Man of Steel, what they should definitely be doing is is think of it this way: is when Bat, you guys were young when Batman came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Tim Burton caught a lot of crap. Oh, yeah. for you've got Mister Mom <laughs> playing Batman. Mm-hmm. And he said no. I was on the set while he was doing Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. I was paying attention. There's something behind this guy's eyes. He can be someone twisted enough to dress up in that suit and mm-hmm. be Batman. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't happen to trust the guys who made this last movie after right. what they just did, even though I did before yeah, on a lot yeah, of other yeah, work. Right, yeah. But for those who loved Man of Steel, yeah. they're making this. If they saw something in Ben Affleck, yeah. that they think he can do this, yeah. you, you should trust them that he'll deliver what they want, whatever nuances they intend to add or not add yeah. into this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. Um, uh, it's funny because I, I, I'm sure you guys have seen it, but uh, on Reddit, they posted this long thing where they copy and pasted like all of these reactions to Heath Ledger being cast as the Joker in 2006. <laughs> and it's like the exact same thing. It's it, One of them is really ridiculous. Uh, and it was like, so begins the second decline of the, of the, of the Batman franchise. <laughs> ah, like worst tell. casting ever. You know, uh, you know, all, lots of jokes about him being a gay cowboy, all this other uh. stuff. So, and we all know how that turned out, right? I mean, that's a yeah. universally l- beloved performance by him. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you, you did talk about a little bit on our, on our live stream, see, but give the folks your opinion on Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck being cast as Batman. Uh, I'm I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. I was really uh, I heard the news, and I basically just sat down and I took a breath, and <laughs> instead of having a knee-jerk reaction to just start, you know, yelling because that's what we do when we find out about these casting choices, whether they be rumors or confirmations, you know, first thing you do, you go to the internet because the internet is a a horribly fun place when when these things are revealed. Um but as far as Ben Affleck, I I will not I will not say an unkind word until I I see his performance. I'm looking forward. To, I'll say this. With Ben Affleck, knowing that he's going to be Batman and moving to this, I'm hoping that with the pedigree and what he's built for himself over the past 10 years that we mentioned before, he's got kind of a different place in Hollywood now. Um, I think he could pull off a really, really good Bruce Wayne. Uh, and I'm hoping that he's that I'm able to to take him seriously as Batman if they're going to lighten up the Batman a little bit to match his personality, maybe a little bit more suave, so on and so forth, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I mean, let's see what he's got, and let's try to keep ourselves together uh, and, until we see the results. I trust that he will do a good job. I'm like Bob in that I don't necessarily trust the people making the film, but I do 
trust them to bring on someone who will do will give the the role merit and also if it does attach him to projects and it does get him to uh later direct a justice league movie i am overjoyed at the idea of that because his last three films have been phenomenal yeah absolutely and i think it was pat noswell who said like look he's like uh, the way i see ben affleck playing this role is like imagine if he plays like the kind of um you know the kind of James Bond as Batman type persona that became big like in the late 90s like the Grant Morrison stuff and stuff like that like wouldn't that be a great thing to see you know him him do that the, the one thing I have a question about and I brought this up uh, on a couple of occasions uh in the other shows but I think by casting someone who's in their 40s we heard they were going to do I very much believe that there is going to be an established Batman universe mm-hmm. before we ever mm-hmm. see Batman and I don't know how much they're going to talk about it in the, in Batman versus Superman or whatever it's going to be, but I guarantee you, that I, I don't guarantee you, but I believe that he already have had a Robin. Maybe he, he, maybe, maybe he has a, maybe Jason Todd is already dead. Maybe we're dealing with a guy, who, a Nightwinger exists. Maybe there's an Oracle already. Sure. Maybe yeah. he's faced off against all his rogues. We don't have to get the, I've never seen the Joker before, Batman anymore. You know, we've got, yeah. uh, I've been doing this for a long time. You don't understand. Like, this is how it goes, you know? So Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, and I mean, it's something small, and it's probably very insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but I was thinking to myself, I mean, who are his friends? You have Kevin Smith Mm -hmm. and that whole crew that if this guy doesn't do a good job, if he doesn't give it his all, if he doesn't do the character justice— and you're you're unhappy with the casting. If he screws it up, just imagine <laughs> the the crap that he will get from his peers. Let alone your your sour words yeah. about about how he did. His friends will crucify him yeah. if he screws this up. It's true. It's and I true. think he knows that because yeah. he's he's probably you know off camera and off the record probably already getting you know phone calls and text messages yeah. with all kinds of real you know, ribbing crap from his friends. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. You, know, you better not fuck up, Batman, dude. You know I'll bust out the pictures from our summer trip of 1992 <laughs> or whatever. Um, so I am I am. Optimistically, I, I really am looking forward to seeing what he does. I'll t- I'll, he has me interested in the film more so than I was before. Right, that he's been cast. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think also it's look, we came off a a trilogy of movies that that are beloved by people, like people beyond comic book fans, people across all walks of life love those that Dark Knight trilogy, and by extension, love Christian Bale as that role. And you know, I was kind of woken up this by a couple people because I was like. Yeah, I'm excited about the new ones because like, I like I like those movies a lot, and I think Dark Knight is amazing, and I love him. But like Christian Bale for me was like you know hit or miss sometimes. And people who I talked to were like, no man, Christian Bale is Batman, you know. And like there are people who yeah. think that you know there are people who, who love that character. He has defined that character for them you know, in a lot of ways. You know, they don't watch the animated stuff, they don't read the comics. You know, they they watch the Batman films when they were kids, and they liked them, but they weren't like changed by them or anything. You know, so this is their Batman, and I think by casting someone like Ben Affleck. You 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 can move past the I can't accept another actor as Affleck uh, as as Batman because if you cast an unknown, which I thought they were going to do, or at least a relatively unknown actor, um, certainly not one of the biggest names in in all sure. of Hollywood, you know uh, that they were that they were gonna they have a problem if they didn't do that. If they cast somebody unknown, it was gonna be tough to rebuild him as Batman because people were going to see Christian Bale with Ben Affleck. You might get a little bit too much. I'm watching Ben Affleck. But you get rid of that, how can he fill the shoes of Christian Bale? Because he's mm. 
Ben Affleck. He, he'll do his thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that is, uh, I, I think it's a pretty cool casting. And um, I'm excited. I'm, I am now excited to see at least what comes out of, of that movie. Um, there was other, and again, this is by the time, by the time we, by the time we, this podcast comes out or this things, everything might've changed. Uh, we did have the rumor as well that Bradley Cooper may be voicing uh, Rocket Raccoon. Came out the same day the Ben Affleck thing came out, so that it's kind of erased from people's minds. Yeah, yeah. like that came out. The fact that Star Wars was being shot on film came out, and those were the two biggest stories. That was big news. It was big yeah. news, and then Ben Affleck just came out and washed it all away. It was like the, nothing existed. It whitewashed the internet uh, for a day. But then you know we got to this week, and Miley Cyrus washed all that stuff out. So we've uh, Ooh, we've looped around. Twerk um, it, Miley. Yeah, yeah got to twerk it. Uh, what is twerking? Can someone explain this to me? You can't. It's a, really, it's a visual. Okay, it's a visual. I can't. You don't want to. I'm see, not twerking. And you don't want to see the receiver. I twerk. It's not okay. a. No, I saw her twerk. You didn't I, want to see Miley twerking either. Clip. So. Yeah, I'm was... not wearing the shorts for it. Yeah, no, no. no, no. <laughs> um, I think my butt has more shape than Miley Cyrus's, though, so it might be a little bit better in that oh. way. Uh, <laughs> um, we're very topical pop culture yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, so Bradley Cooper. Just you know, he's up, and he's been confirmed that he's up for it. It's one of the names up for it. But when we all this for all this casting, Guardians of the Galaxy, like for the Star Lord role, we saw mil- a ton of names come out. Um, what do, what do you what did you think when you heard the news that Bradley Cooper might voice Rocket Raccoon? I'm not even sure I know who Bradley Cooper is. <laughs> so <laughs> so tell me, uh, Bradley here. Cooper. I mean, he's most famous for The Hangover. He's one okay. of the leads in The Hangover. Um, he was just in Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, this past year, nominated for an Oscar for Silver Linings Playbook. Um, you know, he was in Wedding Crashers. He was he did that with that sort of superhero movie that he was like took that pill and he became like a superhero almost. Uh, became like he, his uh, I forgot what it was called. Shit, I can't remember what it was called. It was actually a decent mo- movie. It wasn't Limitless, was it? Limitless. That's what oh, it was. Limitless. I win. <laughs> Limitless. Yeah. Bonus uh, points. It was a decent movie. You know, he's uh, my, my my mind is blanking right now. But he, you know, he's he's mostly known for being a comedic actor. Uh, but has done drama over the past couple of years to some success. Uh, so obviously that was your reaction to yes. it. <laughs> oh, he's in the A-Team as well. He was in the A-Team uh, remake. I'm over. I'm yeah. over Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Steve? Uh, I said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, if he could throw on a good voice and he can kind of ham it up and, and he can really get into the role, it's something that he's excited to do. And excited to be a part of this tremendous team that they've assembled, and he he works his ass off to do a good job. That's great. Uh, I'm just I'm not when I heard the when I heard the rumored news, it didn't fill me with excitement, and it was it was literally one of the last names that I expected to see attached to it by a long shot. Uh, and like I said, if he can do a great job, then then go right ahead. Like like Bobby had had told me. It's just a voice. It's not like he's going to be... It's not like they're dressing him up in fur and they're going <laughs> to shrink him down fun. with yeah. some CGI. It's going to be like Mario Brothers. You know, I am, I am... Now that I've had time to kind of, you know, think about it and sit on it and everything, I'm so excited about what I've seen of Rocket Raccoon just in the way that he looks and the way that he, he moves and just that shot of him with the guns, with his mouth mm-hmm. open, screaming and just bullets flying everywhere... Uh, I don't. I even even Bradley Cooper couldn't screw that up. <laughs> How so. snarky a character in the books is Rocket He's Raccoon? Pretty snarky. He's snarky and rough. And don't know? call him a raccoon. Don't call him a raccoon. He hates that. He hates it. He'll blam murder you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I. 
you know, I like Bradley Cooper, and I think he'll probably put on a voice to do it if he got cast as it. I just think it's funny because they cast a wrestler in a major speaking role. Yeah. People don't say anything. And then they cast a guy who nominated for an Oscar last year, and people were freaking out. It just made me laugh. And I love the A-Team, uh, just for the record. I, I'm, you know, it's a, he's a good actor. So the, uh, if it's a good actor, I'm pretty sure he, he, can, he can pull it off. Um, a little more casting news, too. You know, just uh, Elizabeth Olsen is pretty much locked in to play Scarlet Witch in Age of Ultron. I'm not very familiar with her work, Steve. I know that you you talked highly of her when we did the little live stream, but yes. I don't know if you want to expand on it a little bit. What do you think of Elizabeth Olsen being cast as Scarlet Witch? I uh, I mean, it's it's she's first of all, she's a beautiful girl. Uh, she's a talented actress, and I I I, I like her simply because of of her her place, I suppose. Because she's the I explained this on the live chat that she's the sister. She is the third Olsen of the Mary-Kate and Ashley oh, uh, yeah. twins. And uh, I actually made one of their video games. Remember yeah. that? And uh, so she has... Oh, talking comics drinking game every time Steve mentions Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she is has stayed away from all of that. I don't know if she like emancipated herself from the family or she just kind of kept to the shadows, but she completely went off and did her own thing and never used her sister's popularity or money or anything to gain her credibility. And I admire that. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, excuse me, very cool. And uh, I can never pronounce her name. Is it uh, Sorace Ronan? No one knows how to pronounce her name. (laughs) I think it's Sorace. Sorace Ronan or something like that. I I would have loved for her to have been cast as Scarlet Witch because I enjoyed the living daylights out of her and Hannah. But if it cannot be her, and they're they're zeroing in on on uh, Miss Olsen, then I say let her do it because I think she's going to do a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Are you familiar with any of her work, no. Bob? Yeah, me neither. Um, what has she ever been in? She's been a couple mm-hmm. of things. She's in silent that horror movie Silent House, which is like a all it's like mm-hmm. one shot. That was the big deal about it. it was like a ninety minute movie that was one shot. I know she's been on other stuff. I know people like her and a bunch of stuff. I just it, she's not part of like I haven't seen any of the stuff she's in. It's it's a really good role. It's a, it's a great breakout role. Oh, I mean, yeah. it'd be a great okay. breakout role for anyone. Yeah, but Joss Whedon, first of all, yeah, trust this director. He, yeah, trust yeah. trust Joss Whedon uh, to pick his cast. He always does a tremendous job with who he assembles and who he puts together. And if she wasn't the right person for the job, I'm sure that he would know, and he hasn't failed me yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally trust him to make the right call. And if that's who he's looking at now that the other one has gone out the door, then that's who I'm looking at. Now, his Quicksilver is... It's, well, it's, it's rumored to be Aaron Taylor Johnson. Okay. Oh, these rumors, man. Yeah, yeah. Rumors. Me. Just say it already. Well, because I think they're waiting until like, at least one of their Marvel movies comes out before they start like announcing all that stuff. Because like, they can say some of it. Uh, she was also in an indie movie called Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Which, oh, she was in that. Yeah, which is very highly regarded. And she's in two movies this year, Very Good Girls and Kill Your Darlings. I haven't seen either of them, obviously, but she's one of those – she's got some indie cred, and it, it seems like she's she's definitely on the model, too, of what – you know, if Sarah Ronan was his model mm-hmm. for the part, she definitely has that look and that, and that way about yeah. her. So, uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it's pretty cool. Um, the last bit of news I want to cover is uh, the, uh, they announced at uh, Fan Expo that Jeff Lemire – we already knew he was going to be writing uh, some Justice League stuff, but – um, he he is writing. Uh, I think starting in October. I think it is. Yeah. Justice League of America is moving to Canada and is being called Justice League Canada, uh, and it's going to be set in Canada. Not all Canadian heroes. They're going to keep a core of heroes, and they're going to add in uh, a couple of uh, a new one new Canadian hero 
And they're bringing back um, Adam Savage. What's his name? No, that's the guy from Mythbusters, right? Vandal Savage? No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, Adam the guy, Strange. Adam Strange. That's that's who it is. Adam Strange. From the planet Ron. From the planet Ron uh, into the New 52, oh. and he's going to be part of the team. Um, he can only show up once every two weeks, though, it's whatever true. it is. <laughs> and it was funny. Uh, uh, Jeff Lemire tweeted, Justice League, eh? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so what, what do you think about this, Steve? Well, uh, as as you know, and as some of our listeners might know, I've been spending a lot of time in Canada uh, this year. And it's a fun place. It's a fun place. But it's also, it's kind of a hoot to go over there because of, uh, they're not, Canada's not so different than the U.S., um, but they, uh, we each have our little quirks and, and little, uh, idiosyncrasies, uh, between us, but I think it's exciting. I think it's really cool. And I think it's a, I think a lot of people are not going to know, uh, what to like, how to digest it. I think there are going to be a lot of jokes, but I'm hoping that Jeff Lemire, he's, I mean, he said that it's a project that he's, he's never been more excited to work on a big project than this. This is going to be his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, everybody, I, I love Jeff Lemire, and I'm hoping that by him doing this, that he will create some Canadian heroes or just have a, a Canadianness about the book where people take it seriously. And it's not something that's, I mean, like Stephanie was talking about that True Patriots book mm-hmm. with people powered up on Tim Horton's coffee for their superpowers and stuff. That's all well and good, and it's hilarious, and I can't wait to read it. But it would also be nice to have something on the other end of the spectrum where it's a respected Canadian-centric, you know, Canada-centric book. Right. Uh, and to move them over there is just interesting plot-wise. So yeah. what we get out of that, I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. I mean, there hasn't really been one since, what, Alpha Flight? Right, really, which right? made some very snarky comments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he kind of just – he didn't make comments. He just said there aren't going to be all Canadian – Archetypes and stuff like that. Cliched yeah, archetypes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sasquatch was such a bad. <laughs> well, he didn't say the book is I bad. Know, Bob. I know, but that was. He didn't say he was. I, it's, listen, we've talked to the man. I don't yeah, think I he was being. He was really trying to be too snarky. <laughs> I think he was just saying that it's not going to be like this is like the Canadian archetypes that you know are just the, we're going to put a hero in. There's going to be heroes that you know with some new Canadian stuff yeah. and kind of focusing on Canadian culture. Mm. He's um, going to introduce the Mountie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. For me, I'm the reason I'm most excited about it. Eight, I like Jeff Lemire writing in their book. That's great. But the reason I'm actually excited about it is because it points to me like it's, I don't think it's going to be a silly book, but it does point to a little bit of like archness on their part. You know, by moving into Canada, calling it Justice League Canada, you know, it shows me that they're willing to have a little bit of fun with mm-hmm. their properties, and that that makes me happy. Um. Uh. So well, that's it uh, for our little short news section there. Uh. Let's talk about some books that we like this week, guys. Let's talk about some books. Um, Steve, why don't you start us out? All right. Let's see. Let's see what I got here. Uh, this week, I read a couple of books. I actually uh, had the chance. I went uh, into Canada, to London, Ontario, and visited Heroes London out there on uh, Dundas. They are a tremendously cool store and found a lot, a lot of books one of them was uh, Doctor Strange, The Oath, written by Brian K. Vaughn with uh, art by Marcos Martin. Mm-hmm. And this was a quite an emotional Doctor Strange tale. When I picked it up and I, I saw how, how gorgeous it was art-wise, I was like, oh, neat. But what this is is uh, Wong has actually discovered that he has an inoperable brain tumor. 
he's been going around secretly trying to have it removed or have it removed with magic or surgery, and he hasn't told Doctor Strange about it until, unfortunately, it's coming to be too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Strange decides that, regardless of Wong's wishes, that he's going to intervene and decides to go in search of this magical elixir that will apparently help heal Wong's uh, cancer. What they come to discover, without spoilers, is that the elixir is far more than that. And that once he brings it back to Earth, or back to this plane of reality, that there are uh, groups of people that are willing to kill in order to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It involves a really, really cool character that I've never seen before, named uh, Night Nurse. And who she is, she is a, I guess, a veteran of the, she the a veteran of the Avengers, the X-Men, Bob, do you know? Well, she was really a character in the 70s that they used briefly. They had some female-centric books, The Cat mm-hmm. and Night Nurse or whatever, and they're, they're bringing that name back. Yeah, she's sort of the underground healer of superheroes. Yeah. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't want yeah. to go out and, and necessarily risk life and limb fighting crime on the outside, so she basically sets up these, you know, small underground hospitals where the heroes can go and they can be healed um, without having to worry about all the, you know, insurance and all the junk that comes along with being a superhero and being a big name or just being in the public spotlight or having to take your costume off to be examined, so on and so forth. And uh, the book opens up with uh, quite a funny scene of it's actually Iron Fist who during battle, you know, injured himself. So he's sitting there with with an injured uh, leg or whatever. And then uh, I think Arana, the female Mm Spider-Man. Yeah, she's she's in there too. And it's just a a funny little exchange. But the book ends up having a lot of heart to it when I I never really – not that I didn't understand the connection between Wong and Doctor Strange and and what they meant to one another, but if anything, this book – really drives that home. I mean, it's called the oath. It's, it's, you know, um, kind of a mirror for the Hippocratic oath and never, never letting a patient die, never letting, you know, somebody that you decided to care for and to protect that you're going to do that no matter what. Um, so that's the theme of that. It's a very good book. If you want to pick it up, uh, it's from Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. And my, let's see, I'm a little discombobulated. You got You'll have to excuse me. Well, we're on the couch. Yeah, and yeah, yeah I know. I'm house. feeling we're, we're, like, we're, we're relaxed. It's weird and, and vulnerable. Here. And I didn't, I didn't podcast last week, and I just uh, <laughs> a little all over the place. So anyway, uh, moving on, I have another book. I actually found this on the independent rack for $4, and I was quite happy with it. Uh, it's a book called Spontaneous, and it's written by Joe Harris and with art by Brett. Oh, I'm going to screw this up. Weldell. Yeah, well, Weldly, Weldly, I don't know. Weldly, Weldly. All right, we're sorry, Brett. Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> uh, it's from Oni Press, and it's about this this kid named Melvin uh, Melvin Reyes, who on his third birthday was uh, sitting with his father, a nice little you know homely scene of mom, dad, and kid, and you know oh, blow out the candles, Junior, and the whole bit. So he goes to make a wish, and he blows out the candles. And as soon as he blows out the candles, his dad starts to sweat. And he says, you know, Dad, what's wrong? And he can't speak, and he can't move. And all of a sudden, his father bursts into flames oh. and dies. Whoa. Right there. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Melvin. So 
what this book is about is he's Melvin is now grown up. He's about 17, 18 years old, and he's pretty much spent his life trying to uh, discover the reasons or the phenomena behind spontaneous human combustion. He's, you know, mapping patterns of strange happenings going on around the world or around his town. And he makes friends with this reporter girl who is your your cliched, stereotypical, you know, fresh out of junior college and wants to be a, a big name for herself. She makes her own business cards that, you know, say ridiculous things like at large. She doesn't realize that, that means that you're actually on the run, <laughs> you know, and uh so they basically they, they team up and they start to follow this pattern around and they discover that it's actually quite localized and it's part of this strange little uh, like town-wide conspiracy that's going on. And as you move through the book, more and more people are dying. The pattern is getting tighter and tighter. And then, of course, by the end, you discover exactly what is going on. And you find out that there's a little bit of uh, supernatural going right. on around the town so quite interesting but one of the the reason that i picked it up uh is because brett uh i'm gonna screw this up again brett brett w brett, brett, oh, brett, brett, brett w, w. <laughs> i uh earlier in the year i i read a book called the lights that i had talked about i think it was actually during uh was it off the beaten path that oh, I used to do? Old like, school, old school talking comics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bonus points for any listeners that actually yeah. remember that. Yeah. And uh, so I read that, and one of the standout things about it was the art, and that's the same thing with this book. Uh, it's very the art is very liney. It's very like old photographs type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Lots of uh, you know bright colors, but the thing about it is that everything looks as if it had been in a fire. You know, everything looks like it has fire damage. There are burnt edges. Mm -hmm. Colors are all faded out. Blues are super blue. Um, it's just a really, it's a pretty book. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's, you know, well, you could see it because you're sitting right it here. It is. Uh, it is deceptively entertaining. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do one more. I'm not going to go on about Easter, uh, East of West because I will probably fill a whole podcast about how much I loved catching up <laughs> with that book. That book is amazing. There's it, the trades coming out soon. If you're not reading it, please pick it up. It's incredible. Once you hit the end of issue three, four, and five, just blow the hinges off of everything. It felt like it was wrapping up. They introduced something in issue number five that just blew it wide open. And there's a whole there's a whole other story to tell. Mm -hmm. So and also. Jonathan Hickman's presentation with, you know, a couple of pages before the title, you open up to these big white pages with just these quotes on them. Uh, very, very cinematic and, and just very engrossing and world building stuff. Phenomenal. For someone who's not an artist, he has a lot of design control oh over his stuff. A lot. Nick Dragata is killing this Nick book art-wise. There's a battle scene in uh, issue number four that every single thing that was going on, I heard it in my head. Like, that's how much the visuals are translating to auditory stimulation. Like, the powering up of a gun, when that little, like, that little E sound that goes across the mm -hmm. page, you can hear that when it explodes. Like, you're probably inserting it with some kind of Star Wars noise or something, but it sounds amazing. Or, or I'm hearing Iron the Iron Man. Man. That's yeah, yeah Iron Man sounds, you know, like the, uh, like yeah. the repulsor cannon the repulsor or something cannon. like yep. that. yeah. Uh, just really, really, really wild stuff. And actually, 
a character from that made it to when it's released later this week, made it to my uh, top 10 females of 2013 so far cool. list. Cool. So, but the book that I want to talk about, my favorite book of the week is actually a book called Forgetless from Nick Spencer with art by W. Scott Forbes. And then there's also a backup uh, from, oh God. <laughs> you should just let the backup alone. I really should have. Uh, no one would have known. Jorge. That's good. Colho and Marley Zacone. Okay, that's good enough. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna run mm. with it. Uh, this book, if anybody's read Nick Spencer's stuff, Nick Spencer kind of has a I don't want to say a slow starter uh, vibe to his work, but a couple of his things, you gotta kind of trust the guy and just move forward with the story mm. and and hope that's gonna come together. Essentially, what this book is about, I always say that. It's fine. I always say that. But essentially, this is what the book is about. It is. So it's an apropos statement. I'm still feeling so weird. I'm like half off your couch. I just got to relax, man. On, I know. I'm having essentially, a, you should relax. Essentially, you should, essentially you should just relax. <laughs> All right. So. Steve's like climbing on the I couch. I am. I'm, climbing. Like a, I'm now sitting like on the arm of the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So forgetless. Nick Spencer. W. Scott Forbes. And forget the other people. Or don't. <laughs> it's. About the last night, the last party. Have you ever seen? As, have you seen the movie Go? Yes. Think about the the film Go. Okay. If Nick Spencer decided to write a sequel okay. to Go, uh, he has this way of distributing information and scenes throughout this book that it's you're constantly, constantly moving and being propelled into the story, but being pulled back and shoved forward in time. So you're reading, and you know a strange event occurs. They stop that moment, and you're left with a question. You move, you know, a half hour before that, two hours after that, and you're just constantly moving back and forth. And at first, it could be very disorienting, but after a while, you catch the rhythm of it and you get used to it. And all of a sudden, you're just you're very easily moving in and out of the story that is about two girls who decide to take up with this like underground killers for hire kind of thing and one of the girls on her first job has been ordered to uh kill somebody at this huge event uh club party called forgetless and it's all about the events of that night and how everybody is tied into one another but it's it's wild it goes into so many things it's about you know secret societies it's about hypnotism it's about um like perverse answering perverse Craigslist ads, people that are sexual addicts that look up other sexual addicts on Craigslist and decide to disguise themselves and, you know, go about their city performing all these weird sexual acts with people. And somehow even that gets wrapped up into the story. It's about people coming up with uh, goofy websites. There's a website that this kid runs called I'm Gonna Fuck It. Mm-hmm. And it's about him going around his friend filming him fucking like odd things in odd places, going up to uh, the Empire State Building for one, finding a notch in the wall and, you know, deciding to uh, just put it in there. It sounds like the Internet. I mean, it's yeah. pretty realistic. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's it's one of those quick but wild reads. And it's got I will talk about the backups. It's got a really cool backup from a different perspective of the story of these three kids that are underage that are actually trying like hell to make it to this forgetless event. And because you've read the events of what happens there and you know the danger and the tragedy surrounding the event, the idea that these kids are working so hard to get to it 
really pulls you in and it's it takes place in new york which is always a plus for us mm-hmm. and it's just wild it was one of those things where i didn't know how to feel about it until about a quarter of the way through where i was i was like hooked and and sucked in awesome yeah sounds uh, great yeah really exciting stuff it's called forgetless uh from nick spencer awesome awesome bob uh quick double feature on the avengers oh, this week yes, yes. um the tie-ins you know, you have the charts because it's Jonathan Hickman. Mm. So you've got these bar graphs or pie charts right, and whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and pictures galore. And <laughs> yeah. there's a tree that could, yeah. that's, that's the spine of infinity and how they come to mm. the side and how you're supposed to read them. And in this case, the tie-in really does work and directly amplifies the story that's right in mm. Avengers 18, which yeah. is uh, Lionel Yu. Yeah. Uh, Lionel Yu. Lionel? Uh, yeah, I think it's Lionel. Okay. I think. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to remember that. They'll, they'll keep you yeah. remembering their pronunciation. I, I mean, I could be wrong, yeah. but every time I've heard it pronounced, I believe it's Lionel. But uh, what you have here, the, uh, the only thing I, my real complaint with eighteen is there's a whole lot of space battling in, in Avengers eighteen. Avengers okay, eighteen, yeah, yeah. and up until then, you're getting lots of character moments. Why these people should do this? How they're all going to interact? And once they're all just people flying spaceships around, mm-hmm. it kind of loses something. Yeah. But then when you read Assemble, which is the battle from – some of the moments are exactly the same. Some of the panels are almost exactly the same. And you start to flesh in the people. You read them together. You've got a, a coherent whole, mm-hmm. which I guess is the plan, which is why he makes these trees yeah, and yeah, charts exactly, or whatever. Yeah. But as, as, a, as a unit, and I, I have to think of it in that way, it really was very well done. And I was, cool. I've been iffy with the whole event mm-hmm. thing to begin with. Right. This mm-hmm. sort of sold it to me. Yeah. Uh, Assemble particularly It's Kelly Sudaconic You're getting lots of Jessica stuff I don't mm-hmm. want to say too much Yeah Because some people Are going to be reading this In a bunch mm. You see a lot of what she's about Throwbacks to her history Right which, uh, The Hydra stuff And so on and so forth You do see And I was wondering If they were going to address this A little bit of what happened With Carol Yeah Back in yeah, 14 right, right So we're playing on that And th- I think that informs A choice Jessica makes here Okay Which is just really It's just really Wonderful coordination between the two writers mm. to get this to come together that way. So the, I was skeptical. So for those people who are on board being skeptical with me, I'm moving forward with this <laughs> event. I'm shocked. But are I you? Am. Did you read Infinity Number One? Yes, you did. Oh, so you're so like you're in it to win it. <laughs> I this sold me. We have two more tie-ins this week, or just one. We have uh, Captain Marvels this week. Or it yeah. was last week. I mean, it's this. It happened it's, already. Uh, two days. We're I'm, recording it's this time travel. Yeah, again. we're recording this. The normal time we record it just coming out on Friday. So that's why we're not talking about any books that came out this actual week. Um, <laughs> so we're not going to do new releases because no, they already no, happened. Well, no, because Stephanie did the new releases already on the other show. Um, Man, uh, on the main show, uh, I really liked Infinity. It, it, when I was first, no, um, the Avengers, Avengers eighteen. I whatever. It's Infinity tie-in. Uh, when <laughs> I'm reading it, at first I was like, this feels a little weird because it feels like. It's moving very fast. Like it was like we're leaving. Now we're here. Now we're fighting. You know that was what it was. I, I expected like knowing Jonathan Hickman's work. I expected like conversations between the Kree and like the humans and what are the Avengers doing here and get them the hell out of here. Like we don't trust them. Blah blah whatever. And, and then I was like, you know what? I kind of like this because it just got going. It was just like, okay, this is this is what's gonna happen. You know. Yeah. So we're gonna get to it. And we're gonna do it. Um. It was cool. It was very um, space opera-ish. You know, it had like that kind of 
Star Wars, uh, the, the modern Star Trek, mm-hmm. you know, or or like Mass Effect, the video game, stuff like that. It had like mm-hmm. that kind of feel to it in a, in a lot of ways. And I liked it. And I liked kind of the decision at the end of the book and the twist at the end of the book. That's a, it's a very kind of classic twist, but I enjoyed it in the, in the structure. And I love the art. And I think that use art really, really works very well in stuff like this, in, in, in big, bombastic action stuff. It just looks gorgeous. It looks gorgeous. And, and so I, I loved that stuff yeah. a lot. I love the way that he depicts, especially the alien races. I thought they looked really cool. Oh, the scrolls were amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've known the, known the scrolls for a very long time. We're talking yeah. 50 years worth of scroll stuff. Yeah. And to see the super scroll presented as a character of honor yeah. Yeah. Was, was very different. I, I love the the quick version of having the, the gladiator of the Shi'ar. Yeah. Just sort of, oh, yeah, th- that thing. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Just, just go do it. Not three issues of no, let's no, do no, that. no, no. We'll go there. It was like the anti Jonathan Hickman book. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, was interesting about it, you know? Steve, uh, did you? But a lot of fun. I have not. Oh, okay. okay. But I will say this. I really, I didn't get to talk oh, about it. Right. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I enjoyed Infinity a great deal. Mm-hmm. A great deal. So much so. That I've I've bought the Infinity tie-ins. I even bought the Thunderbolts tie-in. Oh, Charles Soule took over though. He did, did. Did you read it yet? He did. No. Okay. I want to know how it is. I didn't buy it because I'm not. I'm gonna wait. I thumbed through it and it looks like. I mean, I read a couple of panels and it looks like it might have turned around mm. and could be. I mean, I'm I'm really digging him mm, lately. as a writer. Yeah. Yeah, as a writer, yeah. he's he's kind of making it onto my list. Mm. Uh, I, I I can't wait. I I can't wait to. You know what it is? I I knew that it was going to be an undertaking. I wanted to have quiet. I wanted to have a nice drink, and I want to sit down and I want to read them all together again because any like anything Hickman, even with the tie-ins, I just this feels like an event worth investing myself in. Mm-hmm. So right. I will be by the time that we record uh, next, I will have read everything. Yeah, um, and I, w- I haven't read Avengers Assemble yet because I didn't get it. I was kind of waiting to hear what it, how it was before I invested in those those tie-ins. Uh, it sounds to me like that one really bright spot of the AVX event, the Luke Cage yes. issue of New Avengers that came out. That was this is what all this is what's going on in this guy's head when he, before he jumps out of this this ship. So that's really cool. If it's like that, then I definitely, I'm definitely going to pick yeah, it up and check be, it out. It's the between the panels. Yeah, story yeah, that's great. From Avengers, that's what I wish more tie-in stuff was like. You took advantage of, of those things. Yeah. Oh, you guys don't remember? Well, you've read Crisis, but I don't yeah. know if you ever saw some of the tie-ins. No. On the Crisis on Infinite Earths, some issues the tie-in yeah. was one panel of a red sky, <laughs> and on the cover, Crisis on Infinite Earths tie-in. Now, right. Granted, they were wherever they were fifty cents back then, yeah. but still, I didn't yeah. need to waste fifty cents. Yeah. Well, there's even stuff that. in. <laughs> Crisis Infinite Earth, the main book that's basically just like an ad for a tie-in, like the Blue yeah. Devil stuff and stuff in, those, in that in that event. You should is... be buying this later, exactly, which is so weird. Um, but cool, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to hear you're enjoying the event. What, what do you got next? Uh, well, this I'm enjoying, but I'm sad about. It's oh, X Factor yeah. 261. We are now one from the end. Oh. Hey, I'm Steve, all caught up. S- oh, I didn't you... I, that's the only one I haven't read yet. Okay, <laughs> so I won't say too much. All I know is it is brilliant. It is another personal story. It's the stuff that Peter does so well. Peter David we're talking about here. And it's Monet and Darwin. And there's, you know, they meet and it's not cute. No, it's not cute. But it goes to some really interesting places. She's herself. She hasn't learned too much from her little adventure. No. Mm -hmm. As she probably shouldn't. She's never given any indication that she should. (laughs) But she has, you know... She has a nice edge to her, so I'm not going to say too much, but you'll, I, you'll really love 
Yeah. I've actually got a question for you. Okay. Uh, I've really been enjoying the X Factor ever since uh, Hell on Earth, that mm-hmm. whole thing. Where I, I was looking, I was pawing through uh, through long boxes, and I found a couple of trades that said Peter David X Factor, but okay. it was like volume ten, volume thirteen, and I'm like standing there, and I'm like, oh my god, what am I getting myself into? Well, he's he did ten years mm-hmm. in two blocks. Where if I wanted to, st- if I wanted to really get the most out of it, where I know you're gonna tell me to start from the beginning. Where no, is the beginning? No, honestly. For to enjoy this, you need to go back to about the two thirties. Two thirties, yeah. That's okay, what I heard. that's yeah. really about as far as you need to go to enjoy this. Mm. Buying the the previous two hundred will give you lots of enjoyment. I right. was on and off the book all along. Yeah, because you really got back into it when we had him on the show, right? Like, Just before, right before, right, right before, about two three months yeah, before, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. you know. I really love his writing. It's the only thing he yeah, was doing. Yeah, I remember that because I remember you were like, "He's writing some X book." I remember yeah, like that's yeah. what you said to me, and then yeah, and I and just it was all the things that like his Hulk run you should try to. But mm. She Hulk, Hulk, okay. She Hulk was fun too. Yeah. Right, he. I'm trying to remember. Did he follow Dan Slott right before Dan Slott? Right, right before. I, I thought he was before Dan Slott. I thought he was after Burn, but before I think, Slot. No, no, I think he's. I think Slot's after Burn. Oh, okay. And I think Peter's after. Dan. Oh, okay. All Dan's right. were lighter. Mm-hmm. Peter's came after the Secret Invasion. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, maybe you're right then. Maybe you're so right. So it's then. still yeah, pretty yeah. goofy. But yeah. his Hulk, he did the Hulk for twelve years. Oh wow! And his Hulk went to all the different places the Hulk could be. Mm-hmm. You eventually you saw a, a dopey Hulk. You saw a smart Hulk. You saw mm-hmm. a split one. You saw the gray Hulk, mm-hmm. who was a bouncer in Las Vegas, which okay. is pretty funny. Can you settle a uh, – it's not a bet, but can you settle something for me? Can, sure. Can the Hulk be killed? Can you can you kill the Hulk? Is it possible? It hasn't happened yet, right? It hasn't happened yet, <laughs> and they've shot him into space, and yeah. he's been underneath mountains and everything else. Can he be killed? Yeah. Probably. Can he breathe Could, in space? No. He can't. He can hold his breath a very long time. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. I knew it. So in essence, since Sue can knock him out by mm. covering his head in the force field, yeah. In essence, she could kill him the same yeah. way. Uh, right. yeah, I don't I gotta... think you can be beaten in physical contest with anyone, yeah. unless it's Galactus or somebody yeah. like that. I got that. a little bit of uh, gloating and dancing around the room but... to do a little later. Yeah. You can't breathe in space, but I'm sure you could probably figure out a way to get back from space. Well, my, my friend kept he's on got saying... Friends. Uh, he's got friends, and he's got... Yeah. Just grab a satellite and propel himself down. Well, my, my friend kept insisting that he was he was referring to the moment, I believe, in Avengers when he said that he put a gun in his mouth yeah. and he pulled the trigger yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the, you know, the big guy spit it out. Yeah. He's like, he tried to kill himself. He tried to put a gun in his mouth and you know, Hulk wouldn't let him do it. You can't kill him. You yeah. can't kill well, him. And I was like, I But I think any sort of physical that. trauma isn't going to kill him. But a bullet right. can't kill the Hulk. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah. So I think way, way back, middle 60s, he gets shot in the middle of the change. Mm-hmm. And there's a bullet in his head. Oh wow! Okay. And he can't change back to Bruce Banner because okay. if he does, he'll die. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a cool. That's um, actually a really cool hook. Yeah, it is a well, cool. Well, hook. Stan was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Wait, the, the Hulk okay. started as he changed at night. He was a werewolf, which turned into when he got mad, <laughs> and then he needed to be the Hulk to sort of be a superhero. So Bruce Banner had a machine he could stand in front of and hit with his toe like the pedal on a guitar. <laughs> And turn himself into the Hulk. That's funny. And that all happened within the first six issues. That's really funny. <laughs> still, figure, still figuring things out. Yeah, it took a while. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, he, hey, he was great to start with. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the actual book of the week is X-Men number four. Uh, Brian Wood, it is just brilliantly, wonderfully old-fashioned. Now, this time we have a new artist. We have David Lopez. Okay. 
Oh, you got an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still very, very nicely done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, very nice. In the same tone yeah. as we had before. But it, it is a little smaller, mm-hmm. a little more personal. And this is a very personal issue. Even though there's a huge airliner rescue going on, right. which I won't ruin too much of. Uh, but that's in the middle of a power struggle between Rachel and Storm mm-hmm. over what happened back at the hospital for those who've read mm-hmm. the other shit. There are choices made. Right, right. Right, yeah. And then it's, well, what choice do you make? I, I think I'm leaning toward Rachel's side of the argument. Okay. You do everything you can to save everyone you can mm-hmm. and sort it out later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rachel's seen a lot. I'm not sure exactly in what continuity this Rachel is, <laughs> but she's... Scott and Jean's daughter from an alternate future where she's being hunted as a mutant and got right, sent back yeah. in time. And I don't know if that's the same think that's Rachel the same. from I think Excalibur. Same. I, and, okay. I think it's the same one. So she's seen what bad things yeah. can do to yeah. families and groups, and she wants to do the right thing. So that works itself out pretty well. But the, the hook of the issue, and it's from right on the cover, it's a Jubilee Wolverine issue. Mm-hmm. This actually drove me back to a book we're going to talk about later okay. in our Women in mm-hmm. Comics discussion because there's a similar issue back then where I I know there's been a lot of Jubilee hate around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90s I, kids have a lot of hate for Jubilee. I want them to read this book and then tell me that they mm-hmm. still don't like Jubilee. This is a brilliant summation of who she is as a character. It's a deepening of that character. You see why you know Shogo is, is now part of this family, where that what she learned from being in the similar position all those years ago. And she and Wolverine just dad on the town, visiting the mall, the food court, and all the other things mm. where they, they were sentinels all those years ago. Awesome. Her old house. And we even address the fact that she's a vampire because when you see, oh, her, do. Okay. When you see her sitting on I the beach. I haven't read beach, it yet, so. Well, it's not spoiling much when, that when you see her sitting on the beach, she's sitting under an umbrella <laughs> in the shade. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. And I, I just read a thing with Brian Woodbury saying, no, we are going to go there, yeah. but maybe that, that's her power set. Yeah. The, um, I, I, I could have sworn that Astonishing X-Men was ending with this, this last issue. That it's, not, I don't, it's ending. It is ending. Yeah, yeah I don't All know right. if it's over yet, but it's ending. I was under the, I was under the assumption that that was the last issue. Like oh. I prepared myself because I, I really enjoy that series, right. and I was totally ready for it to be the end. There, it is not the end. There is uh-huh. a an issue coming out uh, this Wednesday that uh, has Jubilee on the cover, and she's actually her fangs mm. are visible. Ooh. Right. So I think they're gonna they're gonna start to address that, and and in in another book as well. well maybe she have a date with Morbius. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I have all the material where that happens. I'm I'm quite curious. It to happens read in it. Astonishing, right? I believe so. No, or, I think so. Or is it the regular? I think it oh, might be regular X Men. It was regular X Men. It was yeah. regular X Men before the relaunch. It was, the, it was like last year. Yeah, yeah it was okay. at the start. I remember of seeing the, the covers and stuff and being like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess they couldn't find a hook for her, and since everyone yeah. hated, we'll make her a vampire. I think he might have been writing it then too, because he did. He wrote on X Men before this la- relaunch for a little while. So. Yep, I believe so. Yeah. That's it for me. But X Men Four, if people were. Hesitant because it's Jubilee on the cover. Forget it and just buy it and enjoy it. <laughs> um, so let's see here. What do I got? Um, I'll say first, uh, Superman Unchained I really, really liked. Uh, it, it continued to surprise me, and it, 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 it does things with that villain character that I introduced that I didn't expect, and then throws another curveball your way after that. Really, really, hmm. really good stuff. Um, uh, I really liked Trinity War Part 5 of 6, which is Justice League Dark, number 23. Um, Unfortunately, 
you know, they spoil the end of Trinity War in the ad at the back of the book, which Ugh. is a, is a, is oh, sucks. Really? Yeah, sucks. Uh, I a, haven't read an issue of Trinity War uh, yet. Don't read the ad at the end of twenty. Yeah, and not the Channel Fifty Two, the regular house the ad. The regular house ad that's like it's this big thing with all the Villains Month covers, and then it's like a little blurb about what Villain Month is, and it spoils the end of of Trinity War. Oh, that's <laughs> really that's yep. not yep. cool. It, and it's actually in Trinity War, so there, there, that's that. not cool. That is, it's not cool. Terrible placement. <laughs> terrible placement. Um, Ooh. So uh, let's talk about. I got a couple more books to talk about. First is, uh, oh, I, I, last week I, I mentioned Stephen Barlow. I read the Deadpool kills Deadpool. Yes. And I talked about how much I like them. So then I went back and on the Marvel Unlimited app, I read Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe and the first two issues of Deadpool Illustrated, which are all kind of part of the same series of miniseries by Colin Bunn mm-hmm. with Deadpool. And I like them just as much. They're really, really good, really crazy, and, and, and stupid. The ones, the ones, the Illustrated ones are awesome because he's going through literature. But, but what I didn't realize is they set up like this overarching story, which is like uh, this scientist helps Deadpool figure out how to get into this idea-verse. But then he sends a message into the idea-verse because he does it against his will. He's saying, we had to do this. He was going to kill us all. But this guy's here, you need to stop him. And that message gets to Sherlock Holmes. And so Sherlock Holmes is trying to figure out and find Deadpool as Deadpool is making his way through this idea verse and killing Tom Sawyer and Captain Ahab and the actual and actually Moby Dick. He kills Moby <laughs> Dick in the first issue of the book. It's a great cover. Um so it's it's really a lot of fun and, and a good take on the character, and I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to reading the the other issues of Killstrader aren't on the app yet, so I'm waiting for them to show up, but I'm in, interested to check them out. Um Really quick, as always, Daredevil number thirty was really, really awesome. Yeah, um, man. Uh, How does this thing with, work with the Surfer? They're the two most disparate characters I can think of. They, yeah. So there's a character that comes to Matt looking for help because he knows Matt's Daredevil, and he's like, "Yeah." He's basically, I have this. I need to find. I need you to get me to the Avengers. I have this thing. I need to tell them it's this planetary problem. We need to figure it out. And so Matt's like, "Okay, I'll help you." And then the Silver Surfer shows up and is like, "This guy is lying to you." Like he is, uh, he he he, see, he sows discontent and, and revolution in places and and destroys worlds by doing so, and the surfer the surfer can't see him because of like his like he doesn't have a soul or he doesn't have like there's something about him that the, like surf- the, the the dimension that he comes from yeah the dimension he comes from he can't see him so he he hmm. can't so he can only find him if he's he comes in he comes in the solid form to to talk and he, that's how he saw him talking to Matt but Matt can find him because Matt has kind of his signature. And so he goes, okay, I'll help you out. We'll work together. He's like, but the, the best, the, the greatest part of the book is, it's this, it's really, it's like a, a serious situation, right? It's I, like, know, I know, I know. The world's exactly gonna end. Going with this. You know, the world's gonna end, and they have this kind of big fight, right? Uh, the fight, but they have an argument about it. And then he's like, okay, I'll find it under one condition. I get to drive, and then we get this giant, nice giant panel yep. <laughs> of Matt surfing on the Silver Surfer board with this giant ass smile on his face. Yeah. And the surfer does not look I pleased. Des- I deserve this. <laughs> yeah, I deserve I've this. been through a lot lately. Yeah. I deserve. I can I tell you, I did read that, and mm. when I read that, I was so happy for him, this fictional character, yeah. that I was like, "Oh man, good for you, dude." Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. It was really, really awesome. Um, great, great issue. Really cool to see them together. And Chris Samley drawing the Silver Surfer was just freaking great. Um, I say this Batman and Nightwing, the last two issues of this series, which I've been loving for since it started, or since I got back into it, but uh, I've loved every issue of it, it, have been a little weak for me. I feel like it's been repeating ground, but mm-hmm. this issue gets back to like it really takes Batman the next step with dealing with the death of his son 
and it it sees him. He Bruce has this thing that I've called Internet 3.0, where he can it's like virtual reality simulations, and he's been simulating Damien's death over and over again, trying to stop it, trying to figure out what he could have done to stop what happened. And Alfred calls in Dick to be like, you have to talk to him. Like he can't, like he he won't stop doing this, and we need to we need to stop. And and Dick is talking to him, and he realizes there's no talking to him. So he's like, all right, he's like, load me up. He's like, and he gets into it too, and he kind of goes through it with Bruce, trying to help him do it. And and, and kind of in the end, you know, I don't want to give what, what happens, but it's very emotional, and it's emotional with Bruce and emotional with Dick. But then Alfred does something that's like tear-inducing ridiculousness oh, at the end of the issue. Um, anybody who's read it knows what I'm talking about. Really gets back on track. Great, great stuff. Um, and finally, I, I want to bring up uh, Bloodshot number zero, which we read, I read Common and Woody a couple weeks ago, and I really liked it. And it made me really want to keep reading Quantum and Woody, which is great. I read Bloodshot number zero, which is Matt Kent and Chris Cross on the art. Oh, and, I forgot to pick that up. And it made me want to read the rest of the Valiant universe. Wow. It got me into this character, and I was like, wow, this character is really interesting. It's a character I didn't, He's the character I cared even least about reading and picking up in the first place, even if I was going to pick up Maxwell Man of War or Harbinger or whatever. Um, but having read this book... And being like, wow, I really like this character. I like what they did with them. I love the way that this brought me in. I hope they do more issues like this. I think they might have done a Shadow Man Zero issue. I'm not sure. My problem with a lot of the number one of the Valiant books is they try to give you, they give you a lot of information up front about who the character is on these block te- text pages. And it's really mm-hmm. hard to get into a character you don't know just from that. This just sets you off and gives you everything you need to know. Uh, really, really loved it. Really loved it a lot. And it, it got me really excited to... And I have, I have actually Bloodshot number one and two, I think, on, on my Comixology app. So I opened up Bloodshot number one and read the whole thing through, and I was like, awesome. So I'm, I, I'm, it got me excited. It got me even more excited about the fact that he's writing that Unity book that's coming out, their first team book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with that, plus Eternal Warrior, which is coming out soon from Greg Pak, I'm definitely going to be on the Valiant train and hopefully start to catch up with any trades and stuff of, of the other stuff I'm behind on. Uh, I, you couldn't borrow Harbinger from me if you like. I'd absolutely love, love that. I love that. Well done. Uh, I definitely <laughs> want to get Exo Man of War because I like Venditti. Uh, quite a bit, uh, the writer. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to, to check them out. And Shadow Man as well, because I like Justin Jordan. So. I, I'm glad that you're you're digging it as much as you are, because that's a title I completely I overlooked and forgot yeah. that Matt Kent was on that book. Yeah. So this is Zero. Is he... Are they skipping ahead to whatever number they're at now? See, they re... See, I don't think that... I think this is the only issue he's doing. I, I think that... Oh. I think that they renamed the main Bloodshot book, Bloodshot and Hardcore... So it, it's kind of like a team-up book now. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if they're continuing Bloodshot on its own. I don't think they are. I think it's just kind of like, let's do a zero issue, and Matt Kent's going to write it, and then we're going to move forward from here before he takes over Unity and, and all this other but stuff. But it didn't like it didn't dip in quality or anything once you moved on from Matt Kent? No, no. The, the original guy, I think it's I think it's Dwayne Straczynski, um, who's kind of a very veteran comic writer. done a lot of stuff before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, still, it's still good stuff, you know? Cool. Uh, so, and being, knowing who the character was and knowing his origins, it really helped me do it. Awesome. So, yeah, Bloodshot number zero. Really, really loved it. Uh, took a little break. I'm going to come back and chat a little about one in comics, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Couch, hanging out. Um, I got my 
Diet Sierra Mist in my Batman glass. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, women in comics a little bit here. Uh, you know, it's Women in Comics Week. We're closing it out. Uh, and, you know, I figured let's let's have a little chat. We did this last year as well. And I didn't want to be too redundant, but I figured we should at least we should at least talk about it a little bit. So, Bob, you came with many reading materials and lists and papers. Sure. Well, well, why don't you, of why don't you uh, kick, off, uh, kick us off here? Well, first thing I want to say is we didn't plan this but it worked out just fine mm-hmm. the 26th august 26th is women's equality day is it now yeah. because on that date in 1920 they ratified the 19th amendment to the constitution that guaranteed women the right to vote hey. so we you know we could have said nothing and just put it out there but we're you know we're all about transparency around here Absolutely. so <laughs> it's certainly we're, we're going to adopt it now is this yeah. for now well, women in comics week is yeah. the 26th of august and we're just going to go with that uh, I had mentioned before in reading through the newest X-Men uh, that it reminded me of a story I'd read somewhere back. And in 2010, Marvel did the, sort of the year of the woman and did magazines as a full-size magazine with all sorts of interviews in it with a lovely Ellen Davis cover. Two of them, matter of fact, a series of miniseries, most of which are very, very good, Heralds, which is a story about uh, Frankie Ray Nova who become, yep. became, became the Herald. But there, there's a difference here. Oh, I've read it. This It's just amazing. Really, really, a lot of superheroines in that. We've got the one-shots Nomura, Dazzler, which I have to pick up somehow. Miss Valkyrie, Sif, which came out then. We have Heroes, which is sort of the teenage Archie girl versions of the superheroes sort of in high school, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> Black Widow and the Marvel Girls, which is a lot of her history told with friendships back and forth. The not particularly wonderful Women of Marvel, which was just a little off somehow to me at the time. Uh, but the highlight of the whole thing were the three volumes of girl comics. Um, all short stories, some very, very short stories. Your first one led off with this wonderful Amanda kind of cover of the She-Hulk and Iron Man arm wrestling, and he's getting whooped and getting whooped badly. <laughs> and in the crowd behind him, which is even better, it, it, Amanda kind of just wonderful at, at expressions. And the background faces, Sue Storm is screaming her lungs out with fists upraised as Jen beats Tony Stark. Carol, arms raised in the air. Storm off to the side collecting money from Wolverine. <laughs> He's obviously put up a lot of money here. Uh, just the list of creators is just incredible. But specifically talk about that Wolverine story in, in issue three of Girl Comics. It is exactly that sort of scenario where it's just the two of them chatting for an entire day, ending on a rooftop, sharing a a drink and a burger and the whole thing. And it's just amazingly charming. And that one is by, let me find that again, that is Marjorie Liu and Sarah Pacelli. Oh, nice. Uh, The list of creators here. That's a team right there. Yeah, that's a really Uh, good team. Amanda Connor, Connor, Colleen Coover, Trina Robbins, Stephanie Busema, Devin Grayson, Emma Rios, Jill Thompson, Catherine Immonen. Uh, Faith Aaron Hicks doing a an Elsa Bloodstone story. What would you do if you you know you weren't a superhero? I could be you know like Evil Girl or something. So what would you do? And there's this drawing of her standing on a little hilltop in the middle of a city with dying bodies and buildings exploding, going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have the Sarah Pacelli just so we have Louise Simons and June Brigman back doing a Power Pack story. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick doing Zatanna. Oh my uh, God! Why haven't I read this? I these these are all collected now in a trade, which is available. But these books are you saying, Bobby? You saw some of these for a quarter? Yeah, I got oh, a couple yeah. of them for yeah, a quarter in the, in the fourth yeah. world bin. 
But, but, but across the board, these girl comics here, I will pass them mm-hmm. over. Yeah, I've got one and two for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't I know that there was a third. Well. The third. This one is the Trina Robbins. I think Stephanie I'm missing the story about Venus, the god of love, which is a Marvel character from back in the 50s. Oh, this looks awesome. Very cool. Uh, this is the Sarah Pacelli, Marjorie Lou Wolverine. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. So yeah, if anyone I must wants be missing, to do uh, missing <laughs> missing issue number three. Yeah, I definitely don't have. I, I definitely, definitely don't have, have this cover. I definitely don't have yeah. this cover. This like badass looking Sue. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Drew double check my long box. And the, the the stories are funny, sad, heroic, odd, weird. It's a little bit of everything, and it's entirely female creators, mm-hmm. written, drawn, colors for the most part. Just beautiful. And so people should go grab themselves some girl comics. Yeah. Speaking of Marvel girl comics, I I read uh, on the Marvel Unlimited app. I actually spent some time. I read through Spider Woman Origin, the the Bio oh, yeah. Bendis mm-hmm. Jonathan the Luna Brothers mm-hmm. uh, book, which was great for me because it's funny. She's a character I really like, right? And all the books that she's in, I find her sense of humor really funny, and I, I like her persona. Really, never had any idea a where she came from and b what her powers were. I kind of understood them, but like she had like venom stings, but venom blasts. Like she yeah. can like sort of fly. Can she like stick to walls? Yeah. Like I, you know, I was she's just, more glide than fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's more glide. But I was just, just very confused about all of yeah. the powers that it's because it, it was very funny that her name is Spider Woman, but she couldn't be more different than Spider Man in like her no. set of, of powers mm-hmm. and such. Uh, now I forget in that series they disavow her. Early, early origins. I don't as know. A, it's the thing. It's my first. It's a false memory, kind of thing. I believe where she's evolved from a spider by the high evolutionary, and they backed away from that, and that's a false memory yeah, no, put the, there it, by it, Hydra. It's yeah, whole, in, okay. the, in, in the in the or, in Spider Woman Origins, it's she's a little girl, and like her her uh, her family are, is like dad's like a scientist, and okay, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's the one, and that's they're, the they're synthesizing origin. spiders and stuff yeah. like that, and. Uh, she ends up mother gets hit by like this DNA reorganizer when she's still in the womb, and she's born and she has these starts about these powers and her dad kind of goes a little bit much better screwy. than being evolved from a spider. Exactly, it goes a little bit screwy, <laughs> and uh, she ends up like losing a bunch of years of her life. She gets woken up out of this like stasis, yep. and she's with Hydra, and they convince her that you know Hydra is good and that the other people are bad, and uh, uh, it's a really good story. It, it, it was great to know the origin finally and. You know, it's funny. She has that very used to be kind of was, was kind of a villain is now a good guy type of type of story. You know, and which is funny because it's reminiscent of like the Hawkeye story a little bit. Who, you know, she you know mm-hmm. when she's dating right now in current uh, comic yeah. continuity. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I really really enjoyed it, and I think the art is great. The Luna Brothers art is awesome in it, and uh, it was really good. And there's not a ton of that humor in it in this series so much. There's there is one moment that made me just laugh out loud when she's first kind of becomes part of Shield. And he's like, and Nick Fury's like, you, you can't, you can't wear that. She's like, I'm wearing this. Is mine? It's like her Spider Woman costume. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is against regulation. And she goes, Oh, I'll have to break the news to Captain America. Nice. And it made me laugh really, really hard because uh, it reminded me of the stuff that I, I've read lately with, with her character. Um, so I really like that, and I haven't started yet, but I have the the short lived like the eight issues I think that him and Alex Maleve did um, that Spider Woman like Agent of Agent Sword. Of Sword series which i yeah. haven't re- i haven't read yet but i'm, I'm looking forward to because I, I i she's a character i really really like and um there isn't a ton of stuff i don't know what's in that in, on that app right now because they don't have everything there's not a ton of stuff with her uh solo 
So I, I really want to, you know, read as much as I can because I really like that character. Her, own, her solo series goes way, way back. Right, I yeah. Mean, it's Marvel Spotlight 32. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in her original outfit, which was designed by Marie Severin, okay. I, my article will probably be up as It'll we be, speak. I think, yes, it's probably up. Yeah, it's definitely up already. Yeah. Uh, this is Friday. It's already Well, up. you didn't see her hair. <laughs> yeah. She had a, sort of a skull cap on. Did the, the right. origins show you that at some point? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. They had to do that in, one, in her early costume, yeah. yeah. Uh, her solo series was a lot of fun. Based in San Francisco, more detective mm-hmm. right, right, yeah, than yeah. anything else. And that eventually went away with... A bang. Mm. I won't spoil okay. that for anybody. And then she ended up back. And that's where the friendship with Carol that we're seeing now okay. sort of drifts gotcha. in some Avengers annuals mm-hmm. and when they're all sort of getting together. She's a great character. Yeah. A lot of depth. And it's nice that she's being so well used now. Yeah, it's cool, too. It's it, it, it's funny, too. It, I think it's funny about the overall universe of Marvel. Marvel could use her in one of their movies. And it would be really funny yeah. if there's a Spider-Woman in, in one of their movies and not a, <laughs> a Spider-Man. But, uh, yeah, I really like her a lot. And, you know, I know there's... One or two other iterations of the character, other identities that got taken up. Yeah, uh, Jessica Carpenter, Carpenter who's she's now in the blue and white. Yeah, outfit. who's now Madame Web. I'm pretty sure in in the in the in the regular Marvel continuity. Wasn't Madame Web like a million years old? She was, but okay. now that power got passed down to Jessica Carpenter. I think during the Spider Island event. I think that's when it happened. Yeah. Um. So she still exists uh, there as well. But yeah, and I'm really looking forward to. I'm pretty sure the Asian of Swords stuff is very detectivey as well, right? It's very kind of. Uh, Noirish of what I remember from it. Yes. Yeah, because I saw a little bit of the. They did one of those motion comic things that they do, like the Marvel mm-hmm. Knights motion comics, and I saw and she was she had like a trench coat on and she was like walking through the streets and it was raining, so it looked definitely like it was a you know kind of a more uh, a more detectivey type of thing. Because she was a supporting character now in somebody else's book when she was depowered for a while. Okay, I didn't know and that. And nothing but a private, just Jessica Drew, private detective. Uh, okay, all right, that sounds cool. I would like to see. Hmm. Like I like stuff like that a lot. Um... So you, you, any women comic stuff you've been checking out lately? Any characters you want to talk about? Ah, uh, why don't you come back to me? I'll right. I'll, I'll give it a think. <laughs> All right, Babaru. Okay. Um, I showed this to Steve earlier because uh, again, we're dis- discussing Marie Severin, who worked for Marvel for years and years through the '60s, '70s, '80s. Um, she actually worked at EC. She was a colorist on those old horror books back in the '50s, and when everything fell apart left and took a job at the Federal Reserve Bank. Hmm. <laughs> kind of crazy when you're a comic book artist and colorist. And left because she thought it was dopey. And went back to Stan. And this book I have here, which is... Uh, the, she did Doctor Strange right after Steve Ditko, actually right after Bill Everett, and then she came on. Did Hulk, Submariner, all the straight superhero stuff. When Marvel in the 60s decided to do a humor book mm-hmm. called Not Brand Ech. <laughs> because Stan referred to DC as brand X as oh, opposed okay. to brand X in terms of mm. that. So the actual title of the book is, you know, who says a comic book can't be good, not brand X. And Marie could draw straight superhero, so she could draw the humorous versions of it. So in, in this issue seven that we, the cover of will be in the article, uh, she does the origin of Superman. You can imagine who he is with <laughs> blue hair and the spit curl and all the rest of it. And they go hammer and tongs after the, the craziness that it becomes Superman. As you can see on this cover, we have Super Cat, Super Dog, Super Skunk, Super Tadpole, Super Pig, <laughs> Super Robin. Just, okay, things have gotten out of hand. Yeah. You know, it was, it was right around this time, which was in 68 or so, where DC hadn't decided to go relevant yet. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Marvel had gone full in on all this sort of stuff. And so, well, you're still doing dopey stuff. And Marie was just perfect. She did so much wonderful work. She did tons of posters for them. And in the 60s, she was about it at Marvel. And there were a couple of colorists as the, as the years were on, Glynis Oliver, whatever. Uh, you know, Louise Jones would become Louise Simonson moving into the 70s. And DC had one, Ramona Fraden. So in this day and age, things are not where they should be yet. There's a lot more progress to be had. Mm-hmm. But we look backwards. 30s were great. A lot of women in comics in the 30s and 40s until the war went away when comics went away. And it's only now starting to have a changing right. landscape. To readjust it yeah. itself. Uh, yeah. Cool. Cool. Steve? Yes, Bobby? I'm gonna, should I come back to you? All right. Yeah. All right. Um, it's funny. I haven't been reading anything, I suppose, female-centric. Uh, there's, uh, I don't, aside from Captain Marvel, there's not a whole lot that well, I, I can... I ask you, I mean, I think it's it's either over or, I know it's ending, I don't know if it's over yet, but Journey into Mystery. Yes. Journey into Mystery ends uh, this Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Um, how has it, how has it been? It's continued its quality. I, qu- quality, uh, in all honesty, it's, it's been a, a laugh and it's, and it's been quite... That book is has been one of my favorites of of the of the whole year. I'm I'm sad to see it go, but more importantly, it brought uh, the character of Sif to the forefront. She's you know taken over the helm of Journey into Mystery as opposed to Kid Loki and whatnot. And she, Catherine Imonen, who wrote the book, just did such a great job of creating a super heroine. I would call her, but her it's her her attitude and her her thirst for carnage that I I really enjoy. Um, I don't want to give away too much of my of my top ten list. I I think it'll probably even be up by the time that this goes. But um, I've been reading like a, a cornucopia where female characters are highlighted, but not necessarily. It's not their own title with the exception of Journey into Mystery and Captain Marvel. Uh, Sif is just... It, this Journey into Mystery begins with Sif looking to... Basically, she becomes a berserker. She's looking for the, the fight of her life. She's tired of watching the towns around her suffer and all of her people. Basically, every time the superheroes roll through and they patch everything up, they rebuild everything... Something comes along that ruins everything all over again. People die. They're starving in the streets. And she decides that she's had enough of this. So she goes and tries to acquire uh, magic and becomes a berserker. And it really, really explores the more vengeful side of a female character. But at the same time, she's she's smart. She's calculated. And she's got more balls than any other male character in that book. There are people it's, I talked about it a while ago where there's a moment in the book where she, she asks this group that she comes across and she goes, where is the nastiest, biggest, baddest thing that everybody is afraid of? And they basically point and they go, it's in that lake. And then she goes, well, that's where I am. And that's what I'm going to do. And everybody else is turning tail and running the other way. That was the moment when I, I knew that I really liked her, and I, I liked her as a lead in this book. 
uh, some really good stuff. You'll get the chance to to check it out, uh, listeners. Once it once it ends this Wednesday, there'll be two trades available. I have to say, the second the second arc isn't um, as rewarding as the first, but the the enjoyable qualities of her character still shine through, and she does carry that title. I am sad to see it go, uh, but with the current arc being what it was, I understand why it was going. It tried to bring back characters that perhaps people don't remember, let alone care about, and uh, got a little confusing, to be honest, uh, for, for about two issues there where uh, I really didn't know. they didn't. She didn't do the best job of explaining who people were that were coming into the story, and I felt a little lost. And I'd been with her for every page the whole way through, and even I was thrown a little bit. So maybe that had something to do with it, aside from, you know, poor sale numbers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. not numbering it with a number one, so on and so forth. Yeah, People are afraid number to jump 700 on. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever yeah. It is, 657 or whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Kieran Gillen leaving the title, yeah. um, Kid Loki making such a, a mark for himself and then moving on to another book. Why Why am I still going to read Journey into Mystery if it's not Loki? Yeah, a lot of that crap probably went over to Young Avengers because right. they were like, well, this is the reason I was reading this book. So they weren't so much reading because it was called Journey into Mystery. Mm-hmm. They began reading it because of the buzz probably around that character and right. then moved on with it to... Yeah, to some someplace else. And I mean, and as you know, I mean, we talk about it. It feels nearly every week. But um, I mean, the standout female title, aside from Captain Marvel, who Kelly Sue has done some tremendous things with that character, especially with this last enemy within arc, uh, some truly, truly powerful stuff coming from that character. But the other standout female title has been the Fearless Defenders. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The, that book, that book came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, it came off the the pedigree. Of Matt Fraction's Defenders, but, excuse me, we really didn't know what it was going to be. You know, we had no idea. And then Colin Bunn comes out with this just awesome, awesome title of all these superheroines and all these girls getting together. You know, Valkyrie's made a mistake. She's supposed to um, assemble these these this female cast to take the place of uh, they, the, the, the Valkyrie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... It's it's like a it's almost like a redemption story that she's been walking around with this secret shame for X amount of time. She instead of, you know, upholding her responsibilities to the people of Midgard and to her people back home, she decided to kind of go the way of Thor and just party her ass off and not really take care of business. And all hell breaks loose, you know, friends. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, literally, you know, all hell breaks loose and. That that moment, a uh, couple of issues in, when they're they're doing the the big battle against the Doom Maidens, and all all these tremendous women from the Marvel universe come over the over the hill to join in the battle. I mean, that was one of the the standout moments of the year for me personally. Was turning that page and seeing She Hulk coming over the 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 hill, mm-hmm. and you know, just. All these, all these really powerful characters, and not even just women, but just powerful characters in general, just powerful people in the comics universe, all fighting for this cause, and her realizing that she has to, you know, make up for her mistakes. It's a really, really emotional tale that just really sucked me in. And then you add to it uh, Annabelle Riggs's character, who is a human being in, you know, amongst all of these super powered ones that kind of i guess gives you somebody to anchor yourself mm-hmm. into this situation 
and the the sacrifice that she's willing to make that she's willing to make sacrifices just as large if not bigger than some of her you know superpowered compatriots it's it's a really touching story especially with the latest developments of of the relationship between Annabelle and Valkyrie having changed it's going to create some really uh interesting story material and i really hope that fearless defenders gets the chance to to do you know a couple more issues if not another arc or two before they decide to uh give it the axe every time that an issue comes out i just i i kind of sniff it and and breathe it in and and just appreciate the fact that we got another one because as much as i love it i do worry about it constantly numbers are bad sales i know they're bad, bad and and every every time i hear about cancellations before i read what it is <laughs> i just i have my fingers crossed i'm like don't say fearless defenders and not yet not yet it will be a it will be a sad day Yes. Well, we lost Defenders the same way. It was supposed to be an ongoing <laughs> yeah. and it managed yeah. to slog through 12. And yeah. I, I wish it all the best. But um, just to wrap up really quick, I'm not uh, – there have been so many standout moments for female characters. There's a lot going on in the comics industry and in the gaming industry with the geek girl, gamer girl, all the all the the junk that's been going on through the internet and – several other news publications throughout the year of, you know, asking for, for people's credibility and their love for things is, is absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it, it does my heart good to know that so many of the outstanding moments for in comics that have come for me personally this year have been because of women and women characters in comics. They've been some of the best... Some of the best moments, you know, all year have been because of the women. Yeah. I mean, if you were to ask me probably who my favorite character to read right now is, like, most enjoyable character, the first person I think of is Kate Bishop, uh, Hawkeye yeah. from, you know, Hawk- mm-hmm. from Hawkeye, obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and, and she has been a, a revelation to me over the past year or so of that book, you know, coming out and her taking her place uh, as a really, really standout character in my mind. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, I read that book and I, I mean, I love Clint in the book, but I read it more excited to read the Kate stuff than I am to read the, the Clint stuff. And it's good. I mean, obviously fractions done a wonderful job of, of, of sculpting and changing her character, but I also get a good version of her in, uh, in young Avengers as well, uh, which is really nice I get a double dose of, of Kate Bishop uh, so yeah, she's the first person I think of, and it's funny actually. I uh, recently bought Hawkeye the first trade for our friend Jackie for for her birthday, and I'm looking through it, and at the end of the Hawkeye trade, there's the Kate Bishop issue he wrote, like his Young Avengers issue he wrote, like back in the day. Oh wow! And I was like, bullshit! I yeah. want this issue. I've been buying it every month. Why can't I have this issue? But no, it was really cool that 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 that's actually in that book and gives you a background um, on that character. And, you know, I think a lot of the news has been made by characters like that, too. And, I mean, obviously she's had very little time on the page, but Harper Rowe has also been a character that I've really, really loved in the last year or so in Scott Snyder's Batman. Uh, so it's it has been definitely a, a great year for that stuff. And, I mean, I've loved the movement as well, which is largely female main cast mm-hmm. and, by, by, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest female creator in comics uh, right now. And it, it's it's been a wonderful book. And it... it you know, this week that we do 
I love it, and I, 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 I think it's a great celebration, and I love featuring this content, and I think we do a pretty good job of featuring this content regardless of, of the week, you know? I, I do, sometimes I do feel a little iffy about doing it just because I don't want it to feel like, I don't want it to feel like the criticism that like X-Men got before it came out, which was, we have to stick it all in a week, you know, because because women can't hold up to the men of the industry and we got to give them their own week because they're special and they're, they need, they need the help or, or, or what have you. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm confident that people who listen to us know that's not true. Uh, but I, I think that there are other sites and other places that, that kind of, um, take advantage of, of using the term to be maybe a little patronizing or to, to, to do feel like you have to give them their own special place. Uh, and I think our week is more because, we want to shine a light on an area of the industry at large that's a problem. You know that mm. that that there there aren't the ma- the the bulk of creators are male. Uh, the bulk of main characters are male as well. So I, I think that you end up talking about it just because in the fact that there there are more of those, so you end up talking about it more. You know, because it's just by sheer percentage numbers. Yeah. You know, uh, and so to kind of combat that, I, I I think that the reason we do this week is because. There are a lot of great female creators out there who, who not that we would want to view them all the time, but maybe some people out there wouldn't pay attention so much if it wasn't if there wasn't a spotlight. You know, uh, not that that's the way it should be, but you, you try to at least, um, you know, give as much exposure as you can to things that you love, and I think that's what the site is all about in, in general is doing that, and this is a way for us to give us you know a whole week. And honestly, it's easier too to get people to come on the show if there if there is a mm-hmm. if there's a hook to it. You know, there are some people who won't come on the show because it's, this is the hook that we're doing, and I completely respect and understand that. You know, it makes total total sense mm-hmm. to to do that. Um, but uh, the, 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 that's the reason a lot of people will give their time more if they feel like there's going to be more attention paid because there's there's this thing going on. So I just want people to get a, kind of understand that about this week, and it's it's all done because you as you do this every week and every month and month after month and year after year at this point, you see kind of the imbalance in the system. And there's something we can really do to fix that imbalance, except buy the books that we want to buy by the people that we think are great, regardless of gender. Yeah. Well, and feature those people as possible huh. for things like this, you know? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's, I mean, we do this all year round where we, we talk about, you know, I mean, how many times during favorite, favorite book of the week, are we talking about Captain Marvel? Are we talking all about Saga? Yeah, all yeah. the time. I mean, for me, this is just our way of saying thanks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and and not much more than that. And just having a good time yeah. and having a good time with comics and deciding to, for, for a brief time, I mean, it's just a week. It's not like it's a month, right? you yeah, know, yeah. but for just for a short period of time, just giving our thanks and, and reminding people of these characters and they they happen to be women, mm. but at the same time they're just they're fantastic characters. And we'll have other weeks, and we'll do other things. Like yeah. we said, we might do the the horror and comics yeah. and such. Um, this is just part of a what, what is going to be a a longer line of ways to celebrate comics. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're very even handed, I mm-hmm. think, in the sense that we make sure to if not single out on purpose, mm. but our tastes run in a way that we are looking at heroines and heroes, yeah. female and male creators yeah. all year long. Yeah. 
and it's it, it's perhaps a shame that we have to have a week. Yeah, in the sense that yeah. the industry isn't as embracing mm-hmm. as it should be. It is better. Yeah, you know, as I was saying before, in the sixties we had two female creators. Yeah, one at each company. I guess that they looked at that right, as yeah. even-handed. <laughs> so if if it takes just shining that spotlight a little bit to get people to say, oh, you know. These guys like that, and they like this other thing that I like. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a, a female lead character or it's no. a woman writing it or drawing it, maybe I, I I need to check those prejudices at the door yeah. and take a look. Girls can rock as heavily as hard yeah. as we can. Absolutely. So let's... And, yeah, absolutely. And there's still a, we still put a very high-quality standard on this stuff. Like, we're not we, – we, we, it, it would be patronizing and embarrassing and insulting – to interview someone we didn't think was talented just because they were a woman, and we will right. we'll never ever do that. You know right. what I mean? And again, talent is very subjective, but again, we're you're coming to us for our opinion, yeah. so our we're kind of the the gatekeepers of, of, of a lot of this stuff for you guys, uh, for better or for worse, considering mm-hmm. your opinion of us. But uh, you know, we will not have and not celebrate books just because they have women in them or written by women if they're not we don't think they're good. You know, so this isn't one of those things where we give books a break because they're written about women or about women, you know. You know, we you've heard how bad we've talked about Catwoman. You know, the, there are female creators and I don't want to be negative about female, any creator, you know, if we don't have to be, if we're not talking about a specific book, but there are definitely female creators that are out there that we probably could have interviewed that we didn't because mm-hmm. I don't think they're either they're very good or they're not run the taste that we like and they don't belong in the same category as these upper echelon people that we try to have on the show, whether they, they be male or they be female. So I think Steve said it best. It is, is a big thank you to the people who make this stuff. Hell yeah. And I think that it's a, a section of comics that is underserved. And it's there's other, like, we talk about all ages comics all the time, too. It's a similarly underserved dynamic in the comic book yep. world. And we lo- listen, we love, obviously, love talking about the Avengers. We love talking about Batman. We love talking about Fantastic Four. All of these things are very important to us, and we'll keep talking about them forever, you know? But there, these, there's other parts of the industry that need to be healthy in order for everything to work. And, for, and there is a large swath population that wants to be in on, on this, this entertainment and mm-hmm. feels separated from it. And you're going to hear you – know, the great thing about having Mara and Melissa and Stephanie do the show is that they're going to talk about things that we never talk about. You know, they're going to talk about manga, and we never talk about manga. You know, yeah. I don't know anything about it. I've, I really have never read any. I've never read a single manga. You know, in my life. so, and I under, now I, I understand from talking to Mara and stuff that it's it's a it's an in for a lot of uh, women on these things. It, it feels a lot more, you know, even though they're sometimes pretty crazy, a lot of more realistic themes and a, and a different and varying themes in comic books uh, deal with uh, generally. So that's going to be very cool and. Uh, and again, that's one of the reasons we, I, we that they're doing the main podcast because they we're, we're talking from we wish things were this way from the male perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. And however well intentioned we are, we're still coming from from a removed mm-hmm. perspective. We're coming from the people who get to make the decisions perspective, you know. We, but we we feel maybe bad about it or we we don't like it. But these people are talking about who are in this are are part of a, a group of people who are the actual people that we're talking about. So it's awesome to have them talking about it and, and doing their thing. Um, and, you know, we we want, you know, we made a joke one time, I think it was the first brood and boarded, that it was a sausage fest, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the truth is, most, most of our viewership, viewership is male, and that's awesome. Like, I, there's no, like this is not like, a, we, like, down with guys as fans, because, listen, we've talked to a bunch of guys who, 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 who frequent our site, and they're awesome dudes. Um, and we've made friendships out of it. 
but like we and we try to be as welcoming as possible though for everyone and i want i would love it if there was a bigger female leadership for the site and this is part of that you know this is part of making it a welcome environment for for all of those people exactly and that's what this week was all about and you know i I hope you guys enjoyed it and hope you guys took stuff from it i mean i loved you know steve and i you heard our voice a little bit but we sat on sat in the wonder woman panel yeah you guys heard and that was awesome just sit on on and hear it you know And, and it was cool to hear people talk about the character and just kind of sit back and let it let it happen and that was great and um when kelly sue on the podcast went on like her her that was epic her her i want to call it a rant but you know it's sort of a rant about this question which is a very moaning question and she power stance and it was power stance about what we were talking about it was awesome you know and we couldn't have planned that and we couldn't have asked a question like that and it was just great to hear so we hope to bring you guys more some of that through for everything but this this week came together very well and i think that it's a good it's a light that needs to be shined yeah i mean I mean, while we're on the on the topic of this, I mean, talking comics as a whole is all about giving thanks to comics and giving something back for you know a medium that's brought us such joy. I mean, we've been this is going to be going on two years, two years very soon. You know, yeah, two yeah. years. Uh, this September, right? It's actually October. All right, so October. Yeah. It's going to be about two years, and just like we always point to the DC fifty two about how that was, you know, the trigger. Uh, for this gun, and 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 now that we're we're all doing this, you know, women in comics and just they've always been such a such a huge huge part of that, and it's just another way of saying thank you for for all that's entertained us and all that's been given to us and and will give to us for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to just take a moment, stop, and just appreciate who who you have and what you have and then you know you move on to other things but it's always good to stop and smell the roses for a bit yeah nicely yeah. done and thank you the great thing about this and the cool thing about being on the shine a spotlight on it is that listen guys we are three guys we're sitting in my apartment right now like on my couch <laughs> like in my little like studio apartment like i honestly when we started this podcast never thought we'd have a chance to do something like this you know, and the little, the little bit uh, of attention that we get, if we can pay that forward to the people that inspired us to do this in the first place, that's the very, very least, you know, we can do. Um, you know, in the end, we, we go out here and we talk about books and we're, 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 we're critics to some extent. But, you know, in the end, like we're giving you guys a podcast, but we're not we're not we're not creating anything. You know, we're, 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 we're talking about things that have already been created and that's great. That's, that, that, that's a thing that is a valuable part of our society for a lot of people that, that people appreciate it. But these people do things that they're creating things that are going to last for a very, very long time. And that's what it's all about. It's about spotlighting people who are creating things that are going to last and that you can show your children and they can show their children. And, and you can talk about, you know, Captain Marvel number 14, you know, w- you know, in, in 25 years, when you're when the, maybe the character comes back again and is relaunched again, and you're like, oh my god, but I remember when this happened and it was amazing. So this is what this is all about, you know. And in the end, we're humbled by the people who create these things, and we want to, and we get we, we for some crazy ass reason get a chance to be close to them. You know, we get a chance to talk to them, and they talk with us, and we they email with us, and they're they're amazingly nice people, you know. Um, and they give us their time, and, and so we get to share that with you guys, and that's. And that is the whole reason for all of this. So I hope you guys enjoyed the week. I can't wait to 
I can't wait. Well, I can't wait for the hundredth episode to see a bunch of you guys in person who we've never met and hell yeah, and man. get to hang out. And, Woo! Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Um, I can't wait for Beyond. I can't wait for New York Comic Con is coming up very very soon uh, as well. Hopefully, a bunch of you guys are coming down for that. We'll get to hang out there, um, and we can look forward to the, the weeks ahead and the, and the months ahead and the years ahead of giving you more and more content. So, hope you guys enjoy Women in Comics Week for Bob. Good evening. And Steve. Later. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.